our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of A Forever Family, but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. It is so hard to believe that we are doing another episode of Fostering Change. You know, this season um, has been a season of so many amazing guests. I'm really, really lucky that through all of my social media platforms and whether you follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and by the way, I even have TikTok, um, I get to meet some amazing people. And my next guest is someone who I actually met through social media. I love the fact that, you know, when I started finding out about Dan, um, he doesn't actually live far from where we're located. Um, he's in the beautiful state of Maryland, just where I'm met. And so I want to welcome my guest, um, Dan Hall. Dan, welcome to Fostering Change. Rob, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Hagerstown, Maryland is, is a small little town, but it's a good piece of Vermont for me. You know what? I totally understand that. I absolutely love the Hagerstown area. And um, with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and getting the vaccines, um, I was lucky enough to get one local closer, but I had an opportunity to go to Hagerstown for it. And I would have done that just because I would love to go into the outlets that you have up there. Yeah, and that's where that's where the uh, the um, vaccines were given is right at the outlets as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Dan, listen, I have, um, I want to start right out. Um, I have been reading up on your story. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you because the job that you do of being a dad is, I always say, is the most important job out there. And not one, but you actually, you, you outnumbered me. You know, I have five <laughs> kids and, you know, I see that you definitely have more kids than that. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had read, where you've had a total of how many kids in your home? Six. 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 Six kids. So let's start from the very beginning, Dan. You reached out to me on LinkedIn um, is when I think you and I first connected. Um, and, you know, I'd love to let our audience know because you were a kid from the system. You know, how did that journey start for you? Well, it was my two brothers that were about a year and a half younger than me and a year and a half older. Uh, my dad, my biological dad, uh, we had five children. My biological mom was really sick. She had brain cancer and he just couldn't take care of the five of us. And he could manage the older children, um, uh, which were about three, four years older than we were. He could manage them, but he just couldn't, he couldn't handle all five of us. So we got put into the system and that was in uh, Fairhaven, Castleton, Vermont area. And uh, we got into the foster home in Fairhaven, which was very abusive for us. Uh, I know myself, I was often, you know, we were tied down. We were, I was shoved into a corner, told I was nothing but a piece of shit. 
and uh, that I wouldn't amount to anything in life. And uh, then the hall showed up and you found out quickly how to self-market yourself. And I knew I needed to get out of there, Rob. I really did. And so, uh, so, so Dan, I want to step back for a little bit. Sure, because, you know, sure. I, I wrote my memoir, Forever Family, and I'm very, very, very real in the book. Um, I talk about the horror story of a kid of what I went through. And, and the one question that people ask me all the time, and now I want to ask you, is why didn't you tell a social worker? Didn't, didn't really. You're, you're, you're in a home you we're struggling we're struggling in that home to get a meal they would they would starve us they would uh, put food sorry this is hard they would put they would put food on the table and they would wait for us to come and steal the food so they could beat us and but that was your only outlet that was your only way of 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 meeting your primary needs as a, as a kid you know, I, 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 first of all, I say this quite often, telling your story can truly impact someone's life. You just never know who it's going to impact. And I get exactly what you're saying. It's that I, I felt the same way. And for thousands of kids that I get to talk to all over our country, um, we have the same exact saying is that you don't say anything because you're scared what you could go to could be worse than where you are. Exactly. And when the halls came in, I had no idea that I was going to, the only thing I knew was that environment of, of just being beaten and, you know, just the abuse. So you don't know what the next step is going to be. Somewhere for me, I, I know when the halls came in, I whipped it out and I started peeing all over the wall. And I have, in my mind, I had to think that there was something, something better than where I was. But I was also terrified because I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I didn't know what the halls were going to do. I didn't know what that looked like for me, but I knew I just wanted to get out of where I was. So, you know, first of all, it's got to be really tough, no matter what age you are, to know that, you know, your, your biological mother is, is dying of a, uh, of a, a brain cancer, that your biological father um, had to make a choice um, and by the way, I say it's a choice because I will tell people all the time, kids enter foster care because of choices other people made. And so your yep. father had to make a choice to separate you all, you know, keep three of the kids and put you two in foster care. Um, I mean, that, that alone has to be, you know, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, dealing with abandonment issues, dealing with the fact of, you know, everything that you think of as a child, I, I just, I can't imagine, you know, for me at least, you know, my parents died. So I wasn't, you know, no matter bad of parents they were, they died. You, you had to have known that your biological father was still there. You don't, you know, uh, we were put into that home and I was in there from age two to five. So when I, I mean, I had no idea when I got into that home, that's really, for me, that's really all I ever knew or I ever comprehended in my brain. 
Um, I didn't know my mom was sick until later in life when I attended her funeral when I was 11. But I, I tell people today, um, you know, I've, I've trained hundreds of, of inbound foster parents on, on what it's like to be in the system and to be uh, an adopted dad, foster and adopted dad. And the one thing that I tell them, and I don't have any hard feelings for my, my biological father. When you go into making a choice, like becoming a foster parent or becoming a parent period, there's one key ingredient to that. And that is to know what your limitations are. And I am so glad that my biological father made that choice of trying to give us a better life because he knew what his limitations were. And I thank him every day for what he did and the life that he gave me. I know it started out really messed up, but if I, I was saved by the halls. Wow. It's it called was, forgiveness, my friend. Yes. Forgiveness. I, I truly believe forgiveness is not always for the other person, but to bring the power back to you. And, and you know, that that is just amazing. And I will tell you that you become a better human when you forgive, um, you know, and I, I think that even as hard as it is, and by the way, forgiveness is very hard to do. Um, I do believe that it makes us each and every one of us stronger. You know, Dan, yeah. um, there's there are five of you, and you know, um, was your brother also adopted by the Halls? No, my my, there was uh, so w there was three of us in in foster care. My two other brothers and I, and I was the only one that was lucky enough to be adopted. My two other brothers aged out of the system and were never adopted. They never got their forever family. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in the process of adopting our, we're adopting our fifth child and, um, through the system oh. and he, um, he's 20. Um, he arrived in our home at the age of 18 and as a kid who aged out of the system, it's the scariest and loneliest thing. And I just, I think about my son, Alex and, you know, knowing that he is going to have his forever family. Did your brothers, um, turn out like the statistics they expect us to as kids who age out of the system as we know only 54 percent of kids in foster care actually graduate from high school and we also know that the only thing the system does is graduate you from foster care to a penitentiary um yeah. so how are your brothers doing my older brother he graduated from high school. He, I actually got to meet him when I was 16. Uh, didn't, I knew I was adopted, but I didn't know of my family. And I didn't know that my fam, part of my family, my, my two brothers were actually within a half hour of me. Wow. My entire, my, my entire life up until I was 16. And then they showed up at my door and like, he's like, I'm your brother. I'm your brother, you know? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> So um, he became my best friend and it would be the, my really the only best friend I ever had in life. And he passed away last year of, of brain cancer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just like your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I am so, so sorry. I'm going to tell you, you know, um, Dan, there's no award for, you know, the heartache that we have in our lives or that I, we, we actually, um, 
go through but but wow my friend wow you know i you deserve to be somebody that you know didn't make it with all that you've gone and and instead you're very successful i mean i the fact that you code um is what i think you call it um i was talking to my son makai about this show that i was taping um and my son makai is 14 and um he has fetal alcohol and um but he is so smart when it comes to this coding thing and it's like yes uh, and so i was telling him about you and he was just sitting there just mesmerized rise so you know so okay we're gonna fast forward a little bit but before that, i just i want i did want to add that sure. i also have a a son with uh fetal alcohol effects yeah yeah, yeah well definitely yes. we will we're definitely yeah. going to touch base on the on adopting kids from the system as soon as we come back from this um quick break everybody you know i am so excited you know dan hall is our guest today um i hope you're inspired as i am listening to his story you know i talk about this quite often you you never ever know how someone's story is going to impact you maybe it might impact you enough to open your home and become a foster parent you know i think it's something that we need and we need good foster parents by the way we need parents who want to love that child as if it was their own from the day that it took its very first breath you know you can do a lot for us here at fostering change number one i hope that you email us you know at fosteringchange.org ask your questions if there's anyone that you think you would might like to hear their story send me that email um and then also make sure that you subscribe on our youtube channel we're real excited for this season for you to be able to see us actually so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with dan hall this episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Welcome back to Fostering Change. We are so excited to be able to talk to Dan Hall and hear about his incredible story. You know, so many times I think that we sugarcoat um, too many things, and I think it's really important that we become real. We become real with how shattered some of our system is, but also real about how some great things that happen within our system. You know, Dan had explained to us about how him and his brothers, you know, had been put in foster care. The fact that as siblings, they were split up and Dan was the fortunate one. He got adopted by the Halls and it truly changed his life. You know, Dan, I think about my five kids. So um, we made the choice to adopt two sets of siblings because we didn't want to split them up. Um, we were not expecting to have four kids within a matter of three months, um, and especially with all of them being in diapers. And, you know, but also the fact that for me as a kid who grew up in the system, um, I knew about baggage. 
Um, I knew that, you know, my nine brothers and sisters, because I'm the youngest of 10, um, had most of them had fallen through the wayside. And the statistics were true about what they um, had gone through when they eventually aged out. You know, none of us were adopted. Um, none of us had a forever family. Um, I thought I did. Um, but that forever family ended up being only something that maybe a check. But, you know, at 18, I was homeless. But, you know, I, I look at my kids. Um, do you have any sibling groups that you've adopted with you and your wife? Oh, absolutely. Uh, our first two, first two girls were four and eight. They were two sisters, uh, severely abused. Um, and then we have, uh, they're now 17 and 21. Wow. And we have uh, four younger ones that are kinship. Um, uh, my niece got running in with the wrong crowd in Florida and she had five children. We have four of those five and are great, great friends with the family that has the fifth one. Oh. So whenever we head to Florida, we always make sure that they always get together and, uh, they know, they know all of our kids know that they're adopted. Um, and I have to, uh, my daughter, Olivia, who's 12 now. Uh, we have a, a recording of her when she was three years old. She says, I grew in my mommy's belly, my my birth mommy's belly, and I grew in mommy and daddy's heart. Ah. So, And she's like, I'm loved through adoption. And she did that when she was three. So I all of her kids. It. I yeah. love it. I so, love it. You know, I think, it, I think yeah. it's really important, Dan, that, you know, for me, um, you know, letting the children know about their birth story. And, you know, but I also know that there is a healthy time. And I also believe that, you know, for me, we have a closed adoption for four of our children, our oldest son who we're adopting, um, he's already 20. And, and I, I, it was funny, I just posted on my social media um, about finalizing my adoption for my oldest son. And I actually, you know, and I said, and he's 20, I just happened to make that comment. Yeah. And someone actually posted on my social media, why would we do this? He's an adult now. <sighs> Mike, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, it, that piece of paper might not mean anything to you, but it, to, to, to someone like my son or someone like me or, you know, my husband, um, that piece of paper does mean a lot. And the, what I'm getting at is the fact that no matter what baggage they come with, the love that you have in your heart, like what your daughter said, you know, you, she was the love of adoption. Um, yeah. I have a son that has fetal alcohol syndrome. And I have another son that suffers from, he's bipolar and he has reactive attachment disorder. I have some, one of my child who suffers from depression. Um, you know, so you know that kids who come into our system um, are, there's so many things that they've gone through. Um, how have you and your wife managed with your kids? You know, I, I remember Rob, when my wife asked me if I wanted to adopt, you know, foster and adopt. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I don't want to parent a child like I was growing up. You know, I was old. My mom and dad classified me as a holy terror. But uh, when we got our first placement of two little girls, I immediately saw myself as a child through their eyes. And I saw all the trauma and it just, it blew me away. I called up my dad and I told him, dad, I am so sorry. I thought you were a hard ass on me all this time. And I was 40 years old. 
And I told him he was my hero. And now I have, you know, we have reactive attachment disorder, fetal alcohol effects, uh, level two autism, and a lot of severe and drug and alcohol exposure as well. And I think what people don't realize, Rob, is that attachment doesn't start in life. It starts about five to six weeks when that baby's in utero and everything that that mother does to her body is impacting that child. And we, we become the punching bags for these children that have endured these trauma. I mean, it's, it's, we as parents and caregivers are the ones that these children, our children are unloading onto us and hoping that we can absorb that and still we, we may feel like we fail yeah, and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail. But, but we, we never give up. We, we always show up. We're showing up. We are showing our children how resilient we are. We're showing them that this isn't failure. This is us being here and being here for each other. So when, when Tina and I, our goal is when we're gone, we want our children to show up for each other and be there for each other. That is our goal. And I told my wife, you know, I, if there's anything that I want on my epitaph when I die, it's a man who showed kindness by failing often. I love that. A man who showed kindness from failing. But, yeah, often. You know, Dan, have you thought about writing a book? You know what? Dyslexia has really crippled my life. <laughs> I, I, uh, I thought about it, but you know, I just, it's, it, it's not something that I, I know how to do or to even think that it is possible because, you know, it's the, it's those fear of failure that, that just, they creep up on you. And you, when you're not in your comfort zone like that, something really just kind of you know, nobody's going to like it or nobody's going to be, you know, Step if it was out of computers. That box. Step out of the box. Yeah. From this guy who was a banker for 27 years, sitting behind a desk, pushing numbers, pushing papers, you know, as an executive, um, I look, I stepped out of my box and never in a thousand years would I ever say that, you know, my life would, I would be a public speaker. I'd be a podcast host. I'd have a best-selling book. None of that was in my cards, by the way, Dan. Yeah. So, you know, you step out of your box because again, telling your story truly does make change. And, you know, for somebody who has trained and, and I think I read something in my notes that you've trained over 400 um foster parents yeah. um which by the way that is so unbelievably incredible i remember when i went through my very first foster care class and i remember and i write vividly about this in a forever family that i looked at my husband we sit we're sitting in the car and i literally said and for all of my listeners who are out there excuse my french but i wrote this in my book and i'm going to tell you exactly what i said to my husband i said "Fuck this i am not going back to another class i was horrified um i was horrified with the people that were in the class i was horrified that the first thing that was asked was about money um, when do we get the check? 
And I just, you know, and it made me flashback as a young boy aging out of the system and knowing that I aged out and all because a check stopped. Um, I will tell you, I think that it should be mandatory for foster parents to when they get that stipend, that they have to take a percentage of it and put it in an interest bearing savings account for that child. You live in the state. I live in the state. We are the highest paid when it comes to being foster parents, Arizona, Maryland, DC, those three highest paid. There is no reason that a child within our system ages out with nothing. What do you think? I agree. You know, I agree that, uh, (laughs) I've seen both sides of that. And, you know, I have to say that when Tina and I went to our classes, I was scratching my head on all the money and I was the same way as those other people, because up until about 15 years ago, I honestly didn't give a crap about anyone or anything because of the trauma. Um, And that is completely shifted. You know, when we went from having our girls to our our first placement and my whole life just changed then. And I don't, I look at that money now and those children need those services well, well beyond you know, being just, you know, teenagers and and well into their adult years, they still need those services. So having, having that interest bearing account is that, that has to be, you have to have something there that they can fall back on. I agree. They need, especially they deserve to have a net. You know, I say this quite often, you know, my son, you know, again, my son, who's, he's 20 years old. He's a Mm -hmm. freshman in college. Um, his dad and I got him his car, everything I about, I want to say it was right before the pandemic. My son, um, had gone to visit one of his friends and he locked his keys in his car. Okay. I haven't done that for, for so long, but he did locked his keys in his car. First thing he did was call his dad and I, and, you know, and that he locked his keys in his car. Now, his dad and I did what parents do. We called a locksmith. I paid for it, got him his keys out of his car, came home, and then I gave him the lecture. And the reason I tell that story is that these, my son was 19, so he technically had aged out of the system. Kids who age out of the system and they don't have that foundation of that net, they would have had to bust the window out to get his keys. I mean, it was just, yeah. that's what the things that I think about, you know, we live in a state and by the way, listeners, this is, this is going to be a big shock to you um, because it was a shock to me. And I still am shocked every time I talk about this, we live in the state of Maryland out of the, all of our states and, and Puerto Rico and, you know, the U.S. Virgin Islands and D.C. or, you know, every place that we have territory, we in the state of Maryland are the only, Dan, the only state that when a child comes into foster care from the death of a parent, okay, or, and they're in the system and a parent dies, there is social security that gets given to that child, Okay took over six years to pass this bill in the state of Maryland, but it got, we, we got it passed. 
where now they actually take part of that social security check and they put it in an interest bearing savings account for that child when they do age out. You know, first of all, I'm calling bullshit on this because it shouldn't be a percentage. It should be all of it, you know, and I don't want to hear this crap that, well, the state's paying for the, the child. They deserve that money. No, 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 don't work like that, my friends. Um, but what I'm really shocked about, Dan, is that all the other states have not followed in on this. Are you are you aware of this bill that we have? I was not, no, I was not aware of it. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. People don't talk about it. Let me tell you something. They don't talk about it. It has been attached to other bills. And so all those other bills everybody talks yeah. about, but nobody talks about that Social Security benefit for children in foster care. And the reason I'm telling you this, and I want our listeners to know, is because that needs to be a bill that's passed in every single state, every single territory, that if a child is in foster care and they're in there from a death of a parent or why they're in there, the parent dies, that social security check should not be pocketed by the state. It should be put in an interest-bearing savings account because this is how we're gonna make the system better. Number one, we're gonna set these kids up for financial success. Financial success. I'm not saying write them a check at the age of 18, because we, yeah. we know what that's like, you know. And number two, open up the education pathways. Yes. Open up the education pathways. You know, in our state of Maryland, Dan, you know that, you know, kids, if they stay in Maryland and go to school, Maryland will pay for their schooling. After, if they're adopted by the age of 13. Exactly. Yes. So, so, but the, the opportunities are unbelievable um, for, I mean, we have a lot that we offer in our state, by the way. So Dan, as we finishing up this conversation, by the way, what an amazing conversation. I mean, you truly, you have, you came from, you know, as low as low could be. Um, you, you dealt with the horrific stories that happen to kids who enter our system. I totally understand what you said about, you know, um, not telling anyone, you know, I, I did that. I, I didn't tell anyone, you know, because I was scared the next door was worse than the door that I was sitting behind at that time. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I truly understand that. Um, if you had a magic wand, my friend, and could change something about the foster care system, what would that be? You know, one of the, one of the, the, the things that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting that you say that Rob, because I truly admire what comfort cases does because we've had kids that have come into our home with garbage bags and it's just, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's just heart wrenching to see. And to be able to send a child out with some dignity, like you guys are doing with comfort cases, you know, when, when I saw that, I, I just, I wanted to be part of, of, of what you do, part of what you guys, uh, you guys are, are just sending a message that somebody out there in the world cares about what these children are going through and how they feel. Identity is such a key thing for us as survivors of the system. And everything that you said about money and, and establishing the accounts and having an identity 
to what you guys do at Comfort Cases is just it's it's beyond amazing. It it's just it it almost is like why the hell didn't anybody do this before? Why is our system so jacked up that somebody couldn't figure out something as simple as sending somebody to a, another place with a suitcase? Yeah. So, Crazy. My hat's, Matt's off to you. Well, thank and you, my friend. Let me tell you something. We are, you know, I, I never, you know, eight years we've been sending cases, <laughs> over 150,000 cases, all 50 states, D.C., Puerto Rico. But let me tell you, it only happened because of our community. And I say this, yeah. our community is not our zip code. It's our human race. Our community heard a story. They did not know. They weren't educated about it. And then they said enough is enough and we got together and comfort cases was born and so um where you and i are definitely not done this journey we i want to i want to you know make sure that number one we have cases up in hagerstown we need to you know i say this quite often um we don't charge for our cases we want to get every single child a comfort case because they each deserve it so dan you've got over 400 you know foster parents you you have a lot of connections my friend and i want to make sure that we we you know tap into that at comfort cases because empathy is something that we're not born with it is something that needs to be taught. Um, and I truly believe that. Well, let me tell you something, Dan, it has been a pleasure. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I am so, so thankful that you shared your story. Um, I'm thankful for your success and the fact that you are raising these amazing kids. And by the way, I want people to understand when, when Dan said about kinship, I want you to know that, you know, our country and our states treat kinship differently than they treat a child from adoption. So not all the time do they get the benefits or get the, the actual health care, all of those things. So another thing we need to change, if, if, if you open up your heart, you know, for a niece or a nephew or a grandson or a granddaughter, um, we need to help with those those things just like you would if a child was coming from foster care simple as that and that's you know my soapbox for the day well dan listen thank you so much listen up everybody another exciting exciting interview at fostering change we are absolutely so so thrilled how this second season has been going we've learned so much we have heard so many people who have really shown what it is to be resilient you know i say it quite often our children are resilient, but so are our adults. And making sure that your heart is pure with forgiveness is one way that you can always know that you're going to climb back up. You know, we really want to continue for this journey with fostering change. And to do that, we need to make sure that you share the podcast. We need you to please come on, leave some reviews. The best criticism is the criticism that people give. Constructive criticism is always needed. You know, we want to hear you from you. We want you to email us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and please, please share the story because the more people that share the story and hear the story, the better chance we're going to have to make change. Listen, make today a great day and the rest of the week until we talk again. Take care. 
I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. Check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. And I know some of you have a question, and I know some of you would love to be a guest. Please personally reach out to me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. That's fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Then do me a big favor. Please help spread the word. Share this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family. Remember, I say this quite often, we're all part of the same community. And that community, it's not our zip code, but our human race. Let's all make a difference.